0: Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, Canada's top public health official dismisses the idea that herd immunity could play a role in the reopening of
1: the economy. As the chief medical officers, we would, you know, really be extremely cautious about that kind of approach. Uh, You never know if you, even as a young person, might get severely sick or get into the ICU. Um, so it's uh, it's not a con- concept that uh, should be supported. The Conservatives
0: criticize the government's financial support programs. These massive programs will be like a gigantic experiment in Freakonomics because in many cases they are having the opposite of their intended effect. And will the Conservatives relaunch their leadership race after criticism of Andrew Scheer? There are some people
2: criticizing Andrew Scheer's performance and that may well be the case for uh, his response to Derek Sloan's comments last week about Teresa Tam. But I also note that none of the other leadership candidates said anything about Derek Sloan's comments either. So Andrew Scheer didn't, and neither did the other leadership candidates. And uh, it's hard to see who, who makes the case for what would have been done differently if, if there had been somebody else as a leader and not Andrew Scheer last week.
0: It's Monday, April the 27th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top political stories this morning... I'm joined by Peter Van Dusen, CPAC's executive producer and the host of Primetime Politics. Peter, thank you for being with us. Hi, Mark. Good to talk to you. As a new week begins, of course, uh, the talk is always on. uh, This is a new week of, of of the same old, same old with the lockdown. But when will that start to change? And I know there are some musings about reopening the economy on the weekend Teresa Tam, the top uh, public health official in in the country, was answering questions about that and and what criteria there are and 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 what needs to be considered. Uh, are we seeing any more progress towards that, any planning on the part of the provinces that will lead to some kind of reopening of of some aspects of the of their economies in the days and weeks ahead?
2: Well, we're certainly seeing lots of talk about it. We've seen a number of provinces already sort of, uh, in some cases, fairly specifically laid their uh, plan for reopening in some other provinces, talking loosely about how they think it would work. We're going to hear from more provinces this week saying how they think it's going to work. Uh, And so, you know, what Canadians are wondering, depending on where they live, is, okay, what, what are the guidelines? And that's where there's been some pressure on the federal government. And so far, what we seem to be getting from the federal government side is, from the Prime Minister. Look, we, we need to be uh, strong in the area of testing. If if we get a second wave, we have to know uh, that it's here and jump on it quickly. We have to be sure that we have deep supplies of personal protective equipment for anybody. Uh, when we start a reopening to make sure that the right people that, that need protection have it so that we can protect against a major second outbreak. And then there's the conversation around herd immunity, which has been sort of focused by a number of different things, but the Canada's chief public health officer saying that shouldn't be uh, what we hinge a reopening on, not not the way to go is the way Teresa Tam put it this this weekend. And I think we'll hear more about that today and in the next couple of days, this notion that it's OK to expose some people in a reopening process because that builds up herd immunity so it protects more people simply by exposing them to the virus they build up the antibodies and the more people we have with the antibodies the more we're protected against it although teresa tam has pointed that out so is the world health organization for whatever that's worth because a lot of people are challenging the who now is yeah. saying uh you know you got to be careful with you know using herd immunity as a part of your reopening strategy because there's no clear proof now that that people can't get infected a second time around if we get if we get a second wave so we're going to hear more reopening plans this week and i think the thing to watch for mark is, is whether we end up in a situation of the kinds of things they're seeing in the united states where we have people being asked to support a plan but we have different levels of government uh challenging challenging the plan and we're seeing some of that in the United States, where states are reopening, the president wants reopening, local officials are saying, we're not ready to reopen, this is crazy. So, so far, there's been really good cooperation at all levels of government in this country. It, uh, it would be um, something to watch for if we start to see that disintegrate around reopening plans.
0: Yeah. Meanwhile, you know, I know the opposition has been walking a fine line between uh, supporting the necessary measures here that are required to address this crisis and at the same time challenging the government and playing their role as the opposition. Uh, we saw on the weekend Pierre Poilievre, one of the uh, conservative MPs, uh, quite critical of the government's uh, financial support in different areas. Uh, the government, of course, has been providing billions of support to businesses, employees, and and others over the course of this, this crisis. And he said in some cases... The uh, these measures are having the opposite effect to what they were intended. So that was quite a, a harsh criticism from Pierre Poiliev.
2: Yeah, I think you're, and you may, I mean, look, some some people, he's not the first one to suggest that they're not uh, working quite the way they were supposed to. And it takes us back to this conversation around, you know, moving precisely, moving um, versus moving um you know, moving in quickly because you need to spread money across the economy for people who suddenly found themselves without an income, which is the approach the government has taken. But I think we're going to see more and more of that. I mean, we first heard it earlier, you know, last week from Blaine Higgs, the Premier of New Brunswick, who raised the notion of uh, of when he wants to reopen his province, there may be some some challenges because workers who are getting $2,000 a month Uh, not to be on the job or because they've lost their job because of COVID. They've been told to stay home. Um, You know, what if they decide that $2,000 is fine, I'll stay home and I'm not coming back to work uh, because I'll take the $2,000 and I can stay home and stay safe. And and, and it may cause some problems for employers trying to reopen, trying to get people back, um, you know, into the economy. And the prime minister's reaction was, was pretty quick and pretty pretty blunt to that, uh, more in the, in his body language and in his, and in his tone than in his words, but it was pretty clear uh, he reinforced, you know, the logic behind the, the government acting the way it did was to get money to people and look after people and protect people first. He seemed to be suggesting that that will be the, you know, will, will be what guides the federal government in any of these benefit programs, even when premiers start to talk about reopening and job one is going to be to keep people safe. So, again, um, we'll want to watch to see if there's any conflict on these levels, this clash between what the federal government uh, has done for Canadians and wants to keep doing for Canadians versus provinces saying, look, we want to reopen and your programs aren't helping us do that. So the Conservatives are now taking some aim at that emergency response benefit, and they're also taking aim at the... The programs for small business saying that they're complicated and make it too hard for businesses to stay afloat. And the emergency response benefit makes it too easy for workers not to get back into the workforce.
0: All right. We'll see uh, how that discussion plays out over the days ahead. Meanwhile, there are people who are saying that there are conservatives who want to see the leadership race reignited and maybe a new leader chosen on some timetable. The leadership race, of course, was put on hold because of this crisis after some debate around that, uh, in part because they don't feel that interim leader Andrew Scheer has been performing well lately. Uh, some people say last week was a bad week for him because of how he handled a couple of different issues, including the remarks by leadership candidate Derek Sloan about uh, Theresa Tam, the the top Public health official in the country. Uh, do you think there is going to be some uh, type of effort to to restart the conservative leadership race uh, because of all of this?
2: Yeah, I, I think there's there's been sort of percolating under the surface for the last uh, couple of months since the uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic really sort of hit Canada and. Uh, sort of dominated everything we've done. There have still been, and you saw it early on, there have still been Conservatives who think that uh, they can go ahead and have the leadership race and ought to be pushing forward with their agenda even in the midst of all this. And then slowly we saw that agenda kind of chipped away uh, by finally putting off the, you know, telling candidates to, to down, down tools, pushing off the important dates about a convention and, and leadership process. So it's still sort of in limbo. And, you know, it's... It, there are some people criticizing Andrew Shear's performance, and that may may well be the case for the for uh, his response to Derek Sloan's comments last week about Teresa Tam. But I also note that none of the other leadership candidates said anything about Derek Sloan's comments either. So Andrew shear didn't, and neither did the other leadership candidates. And uh, it's hard to see who who makes the case for uh, what would have been done differently if if there'd been somebody else as a leader and not Andrew Shear last week. Number of conservative MPs and conservatives across the country were quick to, to speak out against Derek Sloan's comment, but didn't hear that from the from the leadership race itself. So I'm not sure what would have been different last week if Andrew Shear hadn't been there and one of the other leadership candidates would have been.
0: Yeah, and I, I guess another question arises, though, which is at what point do you restart the leadership race, regardless of Shear's performance? Um, when, when do things start returning to normal sufficiently uh, for a political campaign to be reignited, right?
2: Yeah, and, and and oftentimes what you want in a in a you, you want when you choose a new political leader uh, of a party, and it, it, especially if it's the you know the, the second you know the, the the opposition party, you want Canadians to have nothing but uh, a focus of, of that process uh, in, in top of mind. You want that to be dominating the news cycle for when it happens. You want that bump uh, in sort of interest from the public, and it's. It's hard to see where where the public's interest is pointed at anything but uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic and what else is is happening. So um, there's a push to want to get some normalcy to the process of the political process of of replacing a leader, and that was well underway. But um, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm not sure how many Canadians feel like this is the right time to, to move ahead with that, and because things would look so much so much different if uh, one of the other leadership candidates, presumably one of the two front runners, Peter McKay or Aaron O'Toole, uh, would be, uh, you know, would be holding that prominent place in the news cycle next to COVID-19, which is you want, uh, which is what you want as a political party. They say you want that to be dominating the news cycle, not something else. And, and right now it's hard to see how that would be the case.
0: All right, we'll see what this week brings. Peter, thank you so much for joining us today. Always a
2: pleasure, Mark. Take care.
0: That's CPAC's Peter Van Dusen. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Toronto Star, Jamie Watt argues a working parliament is more critical than ever. Watt writes, In times of crisis, the pressing need for checks and balances remains. Democracy is never as precarious as during a pandemic, and the government has already shown itself unafraid Of anti democratic overreach. There are legitimate questions to ask about the plan for when and how the government plans to reopen the economy and about when and how it plans to rebuild Canada. And those questions need to be both asked and answered in the House of Commons. At Policy Magazine, L. Ian MacDonald considers how the coronavirus has silenced federal provincial bickering. MacDonald writes Justin Trudeau has been able to nurture his relationship with the premiers not only in one-on-one conversations, but in the larger context of a Team Canada approach to the most urgent health and economic crisis in a century. He's been holding weekly conference calls with the provincial and territorial premiers, uniquely frequent in the annals of federal-provincial relations. Some of the results with the premiers have been agreeably surprising, not just in terms of filling their shopping lists, but equally in terms of Canadian unity. At cbc.ca, Dr. Amit Arya, argues the coronavirus has ripped the bandage off the open wound that is our nursing home system. Aria writes, Human beings dehydrated, starving, and left sitting in their own feces in one Quebec institution. Military personnel deployed to homes desperate for staff. More than 1,000 people dead in long-term care homes across the country. And many more, cowering in fear, sealed off from their loved ones. Some of this is particular to this pandemic. No one could have been completely prepared for it. However, COVID-19 has revealed what was previously there. It has exposed the inadequacy of the existing system. Now, here's what's coming up on Canada's political agenda. Parliament will kick off a new chapter this week as it starts to hold special sittings between now and May 25th. And as CPAC's Martin Stringer reports... You'll be seeing a combination of in-person
1: and virtual meetings. Mark, starting on Tuesday, MPs in the Commons will sit for a virtual session of Parliament. Then it will be followed on Wednesday by an in-person sitting. All parties in the House of Commons have agreed on the new arrangement, and it will eventually ramp up to three sittings a week, two virtual sittings, one on Tuesday and one on Thursday, and the in-person sitting on Wednesdays. For this Tuesday's virtual sitting, the MPs will be reunited through video conferencing technology and the session should last about two hours. The Wednesday in-person sitting will last approximately five hours and I will start with one two-hour and 15-minute session for questioning cabinet ministers and there's another time uh, allotted for debating new legislation if there is any. Technically, the settings are not a uh, sitting of the whole House of Commons, but of a special COVID 19 committee which has been formed by the MPs, and it includes technically every MP which means that conceivably every MP could take part, although it's been made abundantly clear that such a large number won't be possible, at least for now, in the virtual sittings because of technological limitations. And for the in-person sitting, reduced numbers will be convened, much as they were for the previous special sessions when MPs uh, were in parliament to vote on the government's special emergency legislation. Lastly, the minimum number of members required, or quorum, for this special committee to sit is seven members. The subject matter must relate to the COVID-19 emergency facing the country. So Mark, it should be a very interesting new parliamentary experience to watch evolve.
0: Thanks, Martin. Also today, the Prime Minister will start the day with private meetings before holding his daily news conference on the coronavirus crisis. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, April the 27th. Tune in to CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day today for continuing coverage of the coronavirus crisis. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.